heaven to earth, which we have been in in our songs. I want to talk about that today, Um, and I want us to begin by looking at a passage that, gosh, if you're saved any time at all, you probably have already heard dozens of messages on this, so it's on uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 11. It's the famous faith passage. I know when Dennis and I first began our ministry, faith was probably about the only topic you ever heard anybody talk about. So I didn't think I ever, there, I didn't think there was anything new to be said out of this passage. And then when God started showing me some of the stuff I'm going to share with you, I, I saw something new in the passage. So hopefully I will give you a, a little insight. So Hebrews 11, uh, verses 1 through 3. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Everybody say not seen. You need to say that again. Say not seen. By faith, the elders obtained a good report. So whatever this thing is, that's how all the heroes in the Bible, that's how they got a good report by God. And then it goes on to say, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen, say are seen, okay, were not made of things which do appear. So we have a not seen and we have an are seen. I mean, that's what I pointed out to you. But to make that easier to say, I'm going to say unseen and seen. Can I do that? Just shift those words a little bit. So there's an unseen and there's a seen. And it it says faith gives evidence to that unseen area. And somehow then, it also creates a seen area. So let's talk about the unseen and the seen. And to do that, I'm going to go to the book of Genesis. You don't have to look this all up because I'm going to kind of just pop through those days of creation. Um, And the, the scripture says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form. How many one begins? So God created the heaven, he created the earth, and the earth was without form. But before we jump into the earth being without form, we need to pause just a second and say he created the heaven. No, the Bible doesn't tell us anything about his creation, condition. Was it without form? Uh, did he take six days to make it and rest on the seventh up there? Um, you know, it just said he made it. So we're introduced first to God as the creator before we see him as anything else. And that means the owner, the definer of truth, the rule giver. You know, it's, it's basically the creator of the thing. It's his property, and he decides what he wants to do and how it's supposed to work, and he can attach his name to, uh, I, I made that, I don't know, what can I make? I can make a... I can make a meal, but I don't necessarily want to say that. Let's say, I, let's say, if Dennis knows I can make a meal, he'll ask me to. So I have to be careful how often I say that. Let's just say I made that painting. Well, I can decide if I want it to have a mountain or an ocean. And, and I can decide, you know, how big I want to make it. And it's mine, and I have ownership of it. And once it's all done, it, I put, it has my name on it. And uh, therefore, I can give it away, or I can sell it, or I can keep it, and you can't tell me what I'm going to do with it because he's mine. That's how we meet God. He's a maker, creator of everything, definer of all reality. Oh, that's a great phrase. I never said, I don't remember ever saying that before. Probably I have somewhere in the past. Who knows? If you talk as many words as me, you probably do same things more than once. But he's the creator of all reality, and he created the heavenly realm. So I'm going to say he created for us, that's the unseen. Because like I said, it's here, but we don't see it. We don't, you know. So so until you get there, it's the unseen realm. So he starts by creating this unseen realm, and we don't know how he created it, except we do know this, he was the only eternal. He's only God is eternal. So heaven isn't eternal. It had to have a beginning. So how did he choose to create it really, he created out of the blueprint that was inside of himself. So actually, he created the unseen realm, heaven, from the unseen realm, which was in his will, his purpose. We could say from whatever light was on the inside of him, he created that, that heavenly realm. 
And you look in other places in the scripture, and pretty place, you know, streets of gold and angels, and God on his throne and his glory, the effulgence of his being going out and hitting the angels, and they go, man, I just got hit by another wave of his glory, and they go, holy, holy. I mean, you know, pretty, pretty nice place. So in the beginning, God made the unseen. And how did he make the unseen from his unseen? He was the only blueprint. He was the only thing there to create that unseen realm. So it had to come from inside of his wisdom, inside of his knowledge, inside of his understanding, inside of his truth, inside of his ability to take a gazillion facts, independent facts, and make them all work together in one unity without any contradiction, who can figure that? Do you know if, like in this realm, if one atom, one spinning atom goes out of whack? Kazillions. Is there such a number? There is today. Kazillions of independent facts working together in one complete union, one with another, that nothing contradicts the other thing. That's a pretty smart God, right? So he created the unseen realm. And then the Bible says he created the heaven and then he created the earth. So it's kind of like, we're going to put it in this vernacular, God said that, I'm so good I better do it again. I think, I think I'll do it again. So uh, he begins the creation of this realm that we live in, this three-dimensional world. And the scripture gives us more detail about how that was created. So I just want to talk to you a little bit about how he began to create because the reason that I'm going to spend enough time on this is I want you to see that it was always God's purpose for heaven to come to earth. I, I, I mean, if you, if you leave here not remembering anything I've said, which is possible because I'd probably say way too much for you to remember anyway. I tend to do that. Uh, ask my husband. Let's say, out of this conversation, what am I supposed to remember? One thing. <laughs> Actually, we don't have that conversation, but that, that would be funny. Probably would, have, probably would apply, too. I just don't think that, yeah. So uh, if, if you can though, leave here with one remembrance, this is it. When we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we say that because that was always, 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 and always shall be the purpose of God for heaven to come to earth. And I'll give you a lot of scripture to prove that, but that's what I want you to remember. All right, so God's made this unseen realm from his unseen. So from the unseen to the unseen, now he's going to begin to make the seen, the temporal realm. And so he begins on day one, the Bible says, God said, let there be light. And, uh, and there was light, and it was the first day. Now, understandably, God could have just said, and it had been just as wonderful, right? Would, I mean, couldn't he have blinked, a wink and a nod? And, uh, now, that was wrong man right there. Later, you may not know that was old St. Nick. If some of you didn't follow that, he jerked, thank you for following that. Um, he, but he could have just done that. And it will, it still, the earth still would have been perfect, but he chose to make it in six days. Now, some people think, oh, man, you don't read your science. This had to be billions of years. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> and, and they're wrong, too. Uh, because God can do anything he wants. He, he, you know, he's eternal. And he chose to make it in a six-day window because he was saying something to humanity. He was going to say to us, um, you're going to now do recreations, and I'm going to show you the pattern for your recreations by giving you the pattern in my creation. So he chose to make it in a six-day window because it was going to communicate, not that there was too much to do, you know, not that, uh, and the Bible, Bible is not a scientific book, so it's not trying to argue with science. He was just making it in that six days so we would learn, oh, there's a pattern to follow. That's the only reason he would have done it that way. So day one, light dawns, is what happened on day one. So we have to say, okay, where'd that light come from? Well, it didn't come from anything in the created order, because there wasn't anything here to make light. 
You don't get sun, moon, and stars until day three. You don't get the elements of to make electricity or fire till day four. So the only light source available would have been God himself, who clothes himself with light as a garment, right? So um, you look at the end of the book, and the Bible says there's, in the New Jerusalem, there's no need for the sun or the moon because Jesus himself is the light thereof. So here's hard doctrine for you. If he can be the light at the beginning, I kind of think he could, I mean, at the end, he could be the light at the beginning, right? So day one, the light of heaven steps onto the creation scene and begins to shine from what he is and who, what he knows and who he is and the radiance of eternal glory was going to begin to be projected into the earthly creation. Now, I know I never said that one before. Somebody write that down because I need it again. I don't know if I can remember it. Began to shine the radiance of eternal glory. I know I got that much into this creation. Wow. Wow. So the light that made heaven is now stepping to be the light that's going to make the earth. And everything that he's going to make is going to be in the light of himself. Now, unless you think that's weird, uh, I got this analogy. If you were to come to me and you were to say, would you make a computer? I would say back to you, I can kind of work a computer, but I cannot make a computer. And you would say, why? And I'd say, because I don't have enough light. Isn't, well, isn't that what we say? I don't, I don't have enough illumination. I don't have enough understanding. I don't have enough knowledge. There's not enough light inside for me to create that. There's some, Emil asked me to create that. Get out of my way. I've raised five kids, been married 52 years. I've made lots of meals. I can take almost nothing and make a meal from it. Got plenty of light, but I can't make a computer. So God, who is the light of eternity, is going to shine his eternal light as himself, his truth, and project it out here, and it's going to provide the blueprint for what he's going to do. So day one, he brings the blueprint. The blueprint of what? The blueprint of the unseen realm. The blueprint of the unseen realm now is projected onto the scene. And then he begins day one, day two, day three. And for six days, he creates. And every day when he finishes creating, he stands back and he goes, that's good. You almost hear him like Jim Carrey, remember? Bruce Almighty, good, good. Good thing you guys went to the movies. Uh, God uh, looked at his creation. And here's why, here's what he, he wasn't saying, I'm the best creator around. I don't want anybody else to compare it to, you know. Uh, he looked at his, the thing that had been created. And what he did was he overlaid the unseen pattern on the seen creation. And when he said good, he said that matched exactly the pattern. That fit the blueprint. Perfect, perfect duplication of the heavenly realm in the created realm. And he goes, shachi. That's Hebrew. <laughs> it's good, he said. What was God doing? Day by day, he was scripting heaven's reality and heaven's story and testifying of the unseen realm in everything that he created. So that those of us that would be born and would live in this seen realm would be able to have knowledge of what that unseen realm was like. He told his story through the works of his hands. And he told it so expertly and so succinctly that the scripture says, like Psalm 19 says, the heavens declare the glory of God. What's that mean? That means, oh my gosh, they're talking to me. The stars, the moon, the sun, the galaxy, this, uh, all the, the grand display of the light show that he put up. It's talking all the time. And what's the story? His glory. They declare. Do they talk in English? Do they? No, they talk in pictures. So therefore, this, Psalm 19 says it doesn't matter what tongue or language that you speak because every nation can hear in their own dialect. So you can, you can go to China and they can read the story. You can go to Africa and they can read the story. You can come to the U.S. You can, it doesn't matter because it doesn't have to be interpreted through human language. But the, the, they're in... Uh, uh, 
Psalm 19, it says, day to day it utters speech. And when you look at that in the Greek, it actually says it prophesies. The word is gnaw same place where uh, uh, Joel 2 said, your sons and daughters will gnaw The same word that these created things are prophesying. What are they prophesying? Who God is, what his purposes are about, you know, what he can do. And so creation was made in such a way that the unseen realm was scripted so that we would have a visible testimony of an unseen reality. Day two, oh, made a little more heaven on the earth. Oh, look at day three, a little more heaven on the earth. Day four, all the way, right? So what was God doing? Bringing heaven to earth. Not, not that there wasn't that realm, but if you can hear me, coordinating those realms making them companions. Yesterday, we looked at the fact that up there he made a family uh, called angels. And on day six, we saw, doggone, he did it again. Amazing, another group, another family of image bearers, just like in that realm. So he goes for six days making his quality control checks. And when he gets all... um, finished with everything that he was going to make, then, and including humanity, and he gives humanity the charge. You're going to, you get to now rule the earth, dominion mandate, Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Then the Bible says, the seventh day, and God rested. Now, when we think about rested, we think of, often think about, um, I'm tired. You know, like, last night I went to bed thinking, I'm ready to rest. Did you? Who, who was at the conference thinking, glad this day's coming, sun's going down, I'm going to bed, I'm going to rest. So we kind of have that. Uh, that isn't actually what this is meaning because, of course, God could not be wearied, even though he did it all in a short window of time. He still wasn't t- tuckered. You know, he didn't have <laughs> Glad that's over. Uh, it certainly does mean to cease from labor because he, uh, he was finished in everything he was going to create. But it carries... Uh, connotation that we have to kind of comprehend. The word there in the Hebrew is where we get our word Sabbath. So Sabbath is the day, hopefully, that we're not producing more, right? But what are we doing on our Sabbath? What do we do on our day of rest? Here's what I'm going to tell you that we all do without even really thinking about it. We enter into the enjoyment of the things that the six days of labor has created. So when, my, when your day of rest comes, you don't have to work for more, but you eat what you, is in your refrigerator. You don't go out and work to buy a TV, but if you've got a TV at your house, sit down, pull up the lazy boy, get out the clicker, right? And you find rest in that which your hands have created in the past six days. You don't go over and knock on your neighbor's door and say, hey, it's my day off, you know, have you got... In, Go do some barbecuing. I'm hungry. Your neighbor would probably say, go rest at your own house. And so if this is true, and it is, what did God do on his Sabbath day when he had created everything and he created this mere duplication of what was there? I used to think this. I used to think God would go, oh, done with that. I'm going to go back up here, sit on my throne. I, I live here. Kids, that's your house. A little intimidating. It squeaks a little. Kind of act like I'm resting on it. Wouldn't want to break it down. Ooh, look at you. So God oh, came back to heaven, sat down, saying, ah, I'm done with, now that's your house. If you need me, call me. I'm not far away. After all, I'm omniscient and omnipresent, so just give me a call. I used to think that's what he did, but the more I studied this out, I realized that what happened on day seven is God took residence in the thing that he had created for the last six days. No, no, you didn't get it. What did God do on day seven? He moved into the house he had been building. He moved into the Garden of Eden. He set up his earth throne and began to sit in the same place where his, his son lived. He lived with his son in the Garden of Eden. Family lived together. He didn't say, I'll live there, you live there, you know. He came, he moved his throne, the heaven 
is his throne, the earth is his footstool. He, the dimensional difference was so um, almost imperceptible that his, he moved into, and Eden was his, his throne. Did you know that God took, had a throne in Eden? Later, he tells Moses, build me a, an Ark of the Covenant so I can have my throne among you. Why did he want to have his throne among them? Because he wanted to have his throne among them, right? So on day seven, God moved. Listen to me. He moved from heaven to earth. What's the direction? It's not earth to heaven. It's heaven to earth. It's blueprint to earth. It's light to earth. It's his presence to earth. He moved into the house that he had been making through the other seven days, other six days. Before. There was sin, try to hear me, there was no idea of man, of traffic flowing that way. Do you realize that? Before there was sin, there was no, no thought of men leaving the earth and going to heaven because man would have lived forever in that ideal world had that not have happened. So heaven would have moved to earth and man and God, man would have lived, fellowship with God, the earth would have gone from that little throne room called Eden that they would have needed a little more room by the time you had more babies and more work, you know. And so they would have gone to the outlying lands and they would have created a little more heaven on the earth until the glory of God covered the earth as the waters covered the sea. You get to the book of Revelation, that's how it ends because that was always God's plan. And then what comes down at the end of the book of Revelation? It's this way. Church, you know what we are? We're traffic directors. Come on. I'd like to. I'd like to. What, what? Haven't asked you. Come on. Haven't asked Jesus yet? Got to show you how to get to heaven. That's, that's, a, that's what we think our mission is. Do we want people to go to heaven? Yeah, because now we don't get to live forever. You know, Adam came. Death entered. So... While history is working out the full glorification of the earth, which, by the way, is what history is working out, it's not working out, given the place for the devil to take over. Change your theology real quickly there in one half of a sentence. But it's a place where the um, uh, glory of God until covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. So history is his story, working out his plans in eternity. But because we don't live forever, we live our span of time and do our part. And when we die, God's got, he's got the heavenly realm. And we get to abide there until the culmination of everything when they're joined back together again. So it's right that we say, get ready for heaven, because we don't want anybody to leave this earth not ready for heaven. That's, an, that's a right. But our primary early commission, our first commission, was get the earth ready to receive heaven. Because that was, guys, that's a huge shift. You don't hear people saying, how do we heavenize the earth? The, the best we hope for is a little of his glory will come down. We get the hooky machines. Did you ever, you ever get those? Hooky machines? Ooh. <laughs> what you doing? I know that Jesus is here. Ooh, I just got the hooky machines. That's a good day in church. Okay, okay. That's yeah. Not That's, no, I, it's a made-up word. Oh, okay. You made up one. I don't get to make up one. What was your made-up word today? Fun, fantabulous, and hooky machize. Right here in church. Yeah, sometimes, you know, you feel his presence so much. Like I said, when my mom passed, and just feel that, oh, God is near. That's a good day in church for us. He just visits a little bit with his glory, right? But really, we're supposed to be looking at the earth and saying, how can I make that the resting place for God? So let's talk about man's commission, because God took those days and made a home for heaven for himself, and then he said to man, tag, you're it. It's your turn. Now go to work with the earth. In other words, go to work with the raw materials and make it fruitful, multiply, and fill it up. So Adam and Eve, they should have um, 
They should have taken these raw materials, rocks or trees or animals or, you know, whatever, anything that they had to work with, and it was all there in, at, by the end of day six. Anything that man has discovered as history has gone on was all in there by day six. We just kind of discovered what it's supposed to do. Well, Adam would have started that discovery, and he would have created something. But here's the thing. Maybe he wouldn't, he wasn't all-knowing. You realize when he named the animals, he got to the revelation he needed a helpmate, right? So Adam didn't know everything. He was going to have a lot to learn. So he would have started working with stuff and would have had to learn some stuff. Well, what would he have done? I'm going to suggest to you he would have turned to the father and said, would you put your put my lights on. So he would have hung with the Father until the revelation from God's unseen would have come into it. First place it would come is into Adam's unseen. He'd have to have his lights on. He'd have to know what he was doing and how to do it. Well, that was his father. That would have been the tutor. That was the creator. God would know how to do it all. So he hung around with the Father, got his lights turned on, and then he would have taken the raw materials and created Listen, he would have created the seen from the unseen. Or we could say the unseen to the unseen to the seen. Got it? And so then he would have, out of that really heaven's blueprint that was now inside of him, he would have taken that and he would have made whatever he was making, a house for Eve or whatever, and God would have come back and said, let me, let me see if that matches heaven. Overlaid the blueprint, and God would have said the same thing. Good son, you made a little more heaven on the earth. I can live with that, you know. Hey, a little more, and day after day, and child after child, as the families grew. Here, here's my brain goes 900 miles an hour. I'm trying to think, what do I not say? And I don't choose to leave my child. That's the problem, Tim. That's the problem. It's a big problem. Big problem. Imagine had sin not happened. Okay, so Adam and Eve, they would have had uh, Cain and Abel, but Cain was okay in this scenario. All right? And then there would have been more children and more grandchildren, and uh, eventually the children would have grown up and married and had their own family units, and finally those family units would get big enough, and they'd say, we're going to have to move over here because there's not enough space you know, in the garden, and so they would have started occupying new territories and uh, families could have become big enough to become like clans or tribes and eventually that scenario if you take it to its extreme it would have been nations around the world so nations were always in the heart of God covering the earth was always in the heart of God and not only that had Adam and Eve not sinned they would have done heavenly recreation I like to say it this way they would have heavenized the earth because that's what God did. That's what they would have done. And then they would have taught their children what they knew, and their children would have learned to connect with God. And so more and more uh, recreations, but everybody would have gotten to the place where they would have said, you know, I'm so busy feeding myself. How about if you do the food and I'll do the cows? Well, that's what Cain and Abel did, called specialization and diversification. So immediately, people would have started diversifying the job and specializing the job because that's a better way to tend this whole big, huge globe. And I'm telling you, some woman would have found the gold of Havilah, and she would have said, I'm taking this specialization. Ladies, you missed an opportunity there. Totally missed an opportunity. You know what I'm saying? There, there were all those minerals. What are they supposed to be? I'll take the gold, I'll work with that. You take the grain, you work with that. You take the water, you work. And they would have specialized. So all of the specialized skills would have happened had Adam never sinned. So I could actually say this. We would have gotten to an educational system. We would have gotten to a business sector. We would have gotten to the media all the things that they are now calling the mountains, we would have gotten there. The only thing is they would have been built according to heaven's pattern, but they still would have been built. That's how people cooperate together. So this whole, that was always in God's purpose and always in God's plan that the earth, I like to say 
that uh, man was responsible for the glorification of the earth. Glorification is the release of the potential of the person. So man got the raw materials and God commissioned him, you release the potential in that earth. Go see what it can be. And the other thing I love about that is when you discover something about the thing you're working with, you also discover something about yourself. And man would have found out who he really even was and the um, enormous ability. I, I remember watching the first moon rockets and stuff like that going, who are, I, I was young, you know, but I can remember, you'll be glad to know I was young then. I'm glad to say that I was young then. But I can, I can, who are we? Then we can put a man on the moon. Now they got the ships that go up and then the boosters come back and land on a little square in the water. On it. I'm like, who are we? What are we? Every time we find out something new, we find out not only what, what the earth can do, but what we can do. So that was all in God's plan. Nice idea, except here comes a serpent and here comes uh, Adam and Adam and Eve, and they listen to counsel. In other words, I'm going to put my words to it, but the serpent says to them, you know, I've got some light that you might need to, you might need to get on the inside of you. I've got some advice. And this is true. He said, I I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you, you can't really trust what you don't see because God really isn't who he says he is. And the reward he's promising you, it's really not really not what you think it's going to be. So rather than trusting that unseen realm, you'd be better off to trust in the seen realm. Look at that. Oh, man, look at that scene. What probably wasn't an apple, but that's what we always call it. Look at that apple. And then you said, ooh, I bet that would taste good. Appeals to my eyes, appeals to the senses. So she chose from the talking serpent, freaked me out, but apparently it wouldn't, didn't freak her out. She chose, she, yeah, I'm out of here. Just the fact that you're talking to me. This, I know that can't be right, right? Anyway, so <laughs> she, uh, Bible's fun, isn't it? Especially if you're willing to laugh at yourself. All right, so um, uh, she chose, though, to get her lights turned on from the seen realm. You hear what I'm saying? Instead of going to the unseen realm and getting her unseen realm, illuminated by eternal truth, she took from the seen realm and got her lights turned on. And nowhere in the Bible are we going to find from the seen to the unseen. That's not the pattern. It's from the unseen to the unseen. So she got her lights turned on, she thought, only to find out she got her lights turned off. Uh, and scripturally, the Bible says they were naked, right? And you and I both know how that works. If, you, if you're not a baby and you're dressing yourself, you know how this works. You're only naked if you take your clothes off. The deepest theology you're going to get from me all day. <laughs> so our question has to be, well, what did they have on that they took off? What clothes did they have on? I want to suggest to you they were clothed in the same garment that God is clothed in. God clothes himself with light as a garment. So they had so much light inside of them that it radiated out and they had their skin suits because that's how God made them with these skin suits. You just couldn't see the skin because of the radiation of the light. They were light bulbs. They were light vessels. And when they got their lights turned out, they lost their light suits. And they looked down and go, wow, what happened to our light? Well, you turned it off, right? So now... The unseen is harder to access because they're separated from God. They don't get to hang with him. They don't get to get their unseen fashioned by eternal truth because it's fashioned by the seen realm. And so much of our education uh, as believers are just people. We don't know how to access that realm easily. And so we're the same way. We just, you do it this way because that's the way the seen realm does it and that's the way that must be the blueprint. That's how it all works. But um, God started, he came back, he looked at Adam, looked at him in his nakedness, and then he starts making promises, actually. And God starts working to reset his original design, which would be that men would have the raw materials and recreate the earth. 
So um, I guess I could say it this way. God started to look for a man who he could turn his lights on. Can I say it that way? Get somebody to turn his lights on. And first time God made everything and then said to man, take care of it. This time God was going to remake man so man could help him remake the earth. And that's a big deal, too, because we'd like for God to just come fix stuff. But do you know most of the time what he does is fix us so we can fix stuff? That's the way he chose redemption was to refix man so his earthly companion would work with him to do what? Get heaven's blueprint inside and then take heaven's blueprint from the inside and rebuild a heavenly recreation on the earth. Remember, the traffic is always this way. So here's just a couple examples. I can say these pretty quickly. Um, God calls men out to walk with him so he could turn their lights on, so to speak. Illuminate the unseen realm from the unseen realm. So you got a guy like Moses. And uh, God calls Moses and says to Moses, I'd like for you to come up to this mount. And you know, remember that story, Mount Sinai? Up at the top was this cloud with thunder and lightning. And, and, but it wasn't like a thunder cloud it was the cloud of God's glory so in other words God's saying I'm sitting up here would you just come have some time with me or could we say it this way he was invited into the unseen realm right wouldn't that be accurate he was invited into that eternal realm that place of God's glory and his throne and where, where lights where real light really is and so Moses went up there and spent 40 days and 40 nights we could say it this way he got his lights turned on you know how much? I mean, literally, his face would glow from having been in the light. He got his lights turned on. And then he came down. So from that unseen to this unseen, Moses comes carrying the blueprint of heaven in here and in here, you know, in the inner part. of. He's got the blueprint to build the tabernacle. He's got the blueprint to build the sacrifice sacrificial system. He's got the blueprint to build the garments for the priesthood. He's got the blueprints of the Ten Commandments. I mean, he comes down so loaded with heaven's blueprints. And here's what God says to him. Be sure you make it after the pattern that you saw on the mount. Why? Because God was going to come down and see what, what he made and overlay the blueprint and wanted to say, good, we got a reliable testimony of eternal reality built right there. What did I just say? Come on, Moses, make it just like heaven because I need a reliable testimony of heaven's reality built right there. Moses goes to work, and once they had the tabernacle all built, do you know what happened at the end of the building of that tabernacle? God's glory took a seat mm -mm. on the house that Moses built. God moved in. God said, told Moses, if you build this, he said, I'll sit with you there and I'll commune with you there from above the mercy seat. And Moses brought that tabernacle pattern from the inside of him and he, he took the just stuff of the earth. I mean, literally, he just took materials, raw materials from the earth, and he created such a testimony that God looked at that and said, I'll sit there with you. And God's glory moved in and, made, and sat down in the house, that, the house that Moses built. How could Moses build a house? Because Adam should have built house after house after house. And uh, recreation after recreation that Adam could say, I can live with that. It's just like heaven. We're making heaven all over again. We're Revealing heaven all over again. God found a man. I found another man and a guy named uh, Solomon. Solomon was charged through his father David to build a house for God. And so he goes to work and he works for seven years, you know, um, seven. And he finishes at the end of this time on the seventh month, which is in the Jewish calendar. It's a particular festival that they have called the Feast of Dwelling, or the Feast of Booths, Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot. Uh, but for our sake, we're going to title it the Feast of Dwelling. And they celebrated that. Every year they celebrate, still do, in, if you go to Jerusalem in October, September, somewhere around in there, you'll see people uh, celebrating this Feast of Dwelling. 
So Solomon finishes accidentally, accidentally gets done during that month. So they decide, let's have a celebration and dedicate the temple. So they're dedicating the temple, and God looks down at what Solomon built, and he did, he did this. I think I could dwell in that. That's, I mean, I, nowhere is it written God says I could dwell in that. But that is, in essence, what it means. Because on that dedication time, the Bible says the glory of God from heaven to earth and came and took residence in the house that Solomon built. The glory of God came in with such strength that the priest couldn't even stand. You've read that. I mean, there was so much, so much weight of heaven's glory. Nobody could pick their body up in that kind of an atmosphere. Was left, that's really what it means. There's such weightiness, kabod of God's glory, that the atmosphere changed. It changed so drastically that they couldn't even lift their bodies under the weight of his glory. I mean, that's God moving in. You know, we've had a little bit where some, if, if I've got a catcher, I'll let the weight knock me down. You know, but I mean, these were just, poof, they couldn't stand. God moved in to the house because somebody got the light from heaven. Put the light in here until the works of their hands created an earthly replica. And then God looked at that and said, I'll live with you there. Now, what does that mean to us? That means you're called to ascend. That means you're called to commune. That means you're called to hang with dad. You can either choose to take carnal light, natural light. And I'm not saying that everything we learn from this realm is, I mean, there's a lot of wisdom and knowledge to be had that we should take in. But the real reality of what's going to last forever, you have, to, you have to get your life turned up. You have to ascend in worship. You have to ascend in prayer. You have to take the time to sit by Dad. You have to let him begin to download things. Most of the time we go up to sit, and I was sharing with them last night, I'm kind of like, well, you know, I have to be at the office in a half an hour, so you need to give me this quick, quickly. You all do that? Half an hour, I need my download. <laughs> Some things, depending on uh, how big of an answer you're going to need, you may have to abide and abide and get a little light and a little more light and a little more light. But when the insides get illuminated from heaven, do you ever do this? Like, Yeah. I mean, it's like you, you, you see something you never saw before and the lights get turned on, you go, yeah. Now I know what to do in this scene realm. But, yeah, now I know what to do with these raw elements. Even relationships is just earth stuff, you know? And, you know, I don't even know what to do with it. Now I know how to labor. Now I know how to fashion my scene realm. Now I know what to do with my spouse. Now I know what to do with my kids. Now I know what to do in my business. Now I know what to do with my money. Now I know what to do with this creative idea that I've been having. I know, I know how to take the elements. Why? Because from the unseen to the unseen, I step out. People say, you can't do that wrong. This is just raw elements. It can be remade into anything. Listen to me. This is all just raw elements. It can all be torn apart and made into something new. Don't tell me the chaos of my world can't be torn apart and me make some kind of order out of it. God took without form and void, and it became something. No matter how without form and void our worlds are, no matter how out of order our uh, territories are, it's just looking for a man with a blueprint. Come on. The created realm is saying, I'll give you my strength if you'll just bring heaven's blueprint. That's why the uh, Roman says, the earth groans and travails, waiting for the manifestation of a son of God. What's a son of God? A mature God got a heaven blueprint inside of them. And you go pick up these raw materials and they say, we've just been waiting for you. How can we help you? You know, creation's waiting to help us. Do what? Only replicas. And they're waiting, saying, bring, bring heaven to me. All of creation is saying, bring heaven to me. And we sit there and say, 
I'm praying, God, you go, you go over there and do it. He said, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to get in you, and then I'll send you over there to do it. The worlds you live in reflect the light that you have inside and reflect the darkness. The world, what you've done with your raw materials is a measure of how closely your insides are lined up with heaven's reality. Now, that's kind of hard to hear, isn't it? Because we'd like to think it was somebody else's fault when it's not good. But here's the good news of it. You can get heaven's light. If you look at something and say, I know this ain't right. This is chaos or this is unhappiness. Here's the solution. Go hang around with the guy who can turn your lights on. Hang on around how long? Until, until the lights go on. And then when they do, you step, like Moses did, from the unseen to the seen, just knowing that you know that you know, and they're not going to talk you out. I, I, I can't imagine somebody talking me out of, I have a home in heaven because of the blood of Jesus. I live every day of my life in an earthly reality of an unseen realm. You're not going to talk me out of it. I believe when I speak in tongues that it's the Holy Spirit speaking through me, and, and, uh, and then I'm communicating directly with my Father and praying the will of God. And if you don't speak in tongues, you should get to do that today. Today's the best day of the rest of your life to get that. But you, you're not going to talk me out of that. There's some things you won't ever talk me out of because I've been so illuminated in the heavenly realm. I live every day. That's why martyrs will give their life here because you can't talk them out of what they learned back there. So here's what God is looking for, and here's how all of the elders obtained a good report. Noah, come here, i got to turn your lights on. Noah comes out and takes and builds a boat. You know the story of that, just stupid stuff. If you're only looking at it in the natural, but you weren't going to talk them out of doing that. You weren't going to talk Abraham out of believing that he was going to have a son even though he was old. There were people, the scripture says, who do, did incredible exploits on the earth. Why? Because they knew that the earth was their platform to give evidence to the unseen realm. So by faith we understand. See, see what the scripture That faith we understand that what is seen is not supposed to come from the seen, it's supposed to be developed from the unseen. Faith gives evidence to the unseen realm. Look at my boat. That's proof I've been in the unseen realm. Look at my son. It's proof I've been in the unseen realm. Look at the house I built. Mm. Look at my city. Come on. Look at my relationship. I just made a home for heaven. And imagine God looking down and saying to us, you sure did, and I'm going to come and sit there with you. Imagine a city where the glory was residence. Imagine that with me for a minute. Imagine a home. Walk through the doors of your home, and everybody walking in is aware of God. Imagine the words of your mouth so seasoned with grace. So they just come near you and how did you, who are you? What is unseen to the seen? Just hanging around with Jesus. Well, we're not going to get all our lights turned all at once, but every time you hit a crisis, that's God's beckoning card. Come sit with me. Do you know that? Every time you get a problem, it's God saying, come on, honey, I'll turn your lights on, and then you and I together, we'll fix the earth. Imagine if every conflict we had, we took it as an opportunity to become a light-filled recreator. And after we'd recreated, God's glory rested in what we Imagine, imagine the world we're living in. That's the invitation, bring heaven to earth. The way to get heaven to earth is for us to ascend into those spirit realms, sit with the Father in worship.
like to think there'd be a time when the glory of God would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Oh, wait a minute. That's right. I believe there will be a time. Because I got that passion with the unseen realm. I'd like to believe there'll be a time when every enemy will bow to Jesus. Oh, wait a minute. I do believe that. I got that passion in the unseen realm. What about you? What crisis are you in today? What chaos and without, you know, without, uh, without farm and void? What's in your world that is begging you to recreate it? You have an open invitation to the throne, do you? Will the Spirit of God commune with you? Does your worship ascend and bless the Lord? Can you sit in that atmosphere change that happens? Can you let him get you out of your head and into his? Can you let him get you out of your heart and into his? Imagine having let this mind be in you. That must be possible. Imagine having his heart and not your own. Imagine having your heart and passion beat for the things. If that can happen, and how many think it might can happen? You're on your way because what you believe on the inside always determines what you build on the outside. You're on your way to be a heavenly recreation. Amen. Heaven come to earth. Come on. All right. I'll stop where it's sweet. Oh. <laughs>